Welcome to America's Top Rebitons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Devorah Bad Hannah, Silka Rivka Bad Esther, and Benjamin Sarah, and also for Hizuk for Yaakov Ben Shura. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebitons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am so excited to have on today's show, Rebitzin Hannah Deitch. Rebitzin Hannah is a member of the World Mizrahi Speakers Bureau. As a relationships expert and mentor, she specializes in helping women foster the connection, intimacy, and love that they desire in a relationship. Rebitzin Hannah is a Kala teacher, so she teaches brides, and she's also an educator in Tanakh and women's issues. She teaches down-to-earth strategies designed for women to get in touch with and bring forth their authentic, vulnerable, and feminine selves. So by shifting the focus from shame to dignity, from control to intimacy, and from feminism to femininity, Rebetzin Hana has become a beacon of light for women who want to transform their relationships from a state of disconnect, struggle, and lack of understanding to one of mutual respect, communication, and intimate connection. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Oh my gosh, Vera, thank you so much for having me here. It's really such an honor to be here on your podcast, to meet you, to get to have this uh, conversation with you. you. And um, it really is such an honor. So I don't know what you want to know about me. I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. I made Aliyah to Israel um, 22 years ago, thank God. Um, And I get to live in in Jerusalem with my husband, my children, we host travelers and, and students. And, you know, that's, that's always been a big, uh, a big part of our lives. And, you know, as I started out teaching in seminaries and being a college teacher, and I always loved just like giving over as much as I could to my students, to my kalas, you know, giving as much practical stuff as I could. Um, and over the years, what I saw was that many of the struggles that I was having in my marriage and what I was learning and kind of like picking up because I've always been a big seeker. So like reading a lot of books and speaking to rabbis and rebbitsons and therapists and coaches. And I started finding things that were really, thank God, making a difference for me. And when I was sharing them with my kalas, making a difference for them as well. And, you know, as I'm sure a lot of women on this can relate to as a busy you know, mother with young children, I wanted to make sure that I was really using my time away from my children as best as possible and and really using my my coho, using my strengths as best as I could. And I started feeling that the time I was spending giving my college advice was better, was like really making that big difference. So I actually you know, kind of left the teaching scene and and trained to be a coach. And since then, I've started a coaching business. It's called Absolutely Feminine. And um, and I work with women all over the world online, uh, really just like helping them build the connection, helping them get out of that frustration and resentment and feeling of disconnection and really allowing them to create the the life, the marriage, the home that they really want to have. Amen. Amen. And may everybody listening to this podcast, may everybody watching this podcast also be able to create the home and the relationship that they want. Amen. And it is totally my like intention that everything we talk about here help you help women, even if like they never hear from me again, they should keep listening to you. And I hope that they'll, you know, want to learn more from me, but that either way, this makes a difference for them. Amen. This should make a difference for you. Yes. Yes. And we're going to get right into it. So I love I love that you teach women to he- to have and how to have real connected relationships because I really do find that so many of us struggle with this. There's so many women who experience frustration and resentment around not being able to connect with their husband when all we really want is to develop that authentic bond and deep closeness to the person that we married. So today I'm confident that with God's help, we can help women release the resentment and take them one step closer to f- fulfillment. So- Amen. Yes. So since the only person we can control is ourselves, let's start there. The first thing that we need to know is who we really are. I find that most people don't actually know who they are deep inside. And that in itself can lead to friction in relationships. And it's so interesting because I was just telling somebody the other day, true story, I was telling somebody the other day, if you don't know who you are, somebody else is going to tell you who you are. And then you're going to end up living their version of you and not who you really are. 
So in order to lead a fulfilling life, it's so important to know who you are and to get in touch with your authentic self. So I wanted to ask you, how do we even know who our authentic self is? Where do we even start? And how do we begin to discover our real and authentic vulnerable self? And how will knowing who we are serve to strengthen our relationships? Oh my goodness. I love this question so much because it really gets to the heart of like what I see as the foundation of everything that I teach. And everything that I give over and what really makes a difference for women's lives. And because it's so true, if I don't know who I am, not only can I not be that person and bring out those strengths and then be the woman I'm meant to be in this woman and mother my children the way like I meant to mother them, right? My children were given to me to mother as the woman I am, right? And and fulfill my potential in this world. But it's also going to lead me, if I'm not being myself, then like, how is my husband going to love me for who I am? Right. Right. And then even, and this is when, like, if you would ask, you know, when women want to know, like, why am I feeling so frustrated and resentful in my relationship when I'm trying so hard to connect? It's usually because trying so hard to connect in quotations for those listening to us in audio um, often means trying to be who my husband wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And we think that that means that's being a good wife. Let me be who he wants me to be, who he's telling me he wants me to be, who I think he wants me to be. But here's the thing. When we try to do that, right. (laughs) My experience and all my clients experience, it doesn't work. It seems like they're, they're less happy. They're, it's like, where are, you know, you're not being real, you're not being authentic, or, or they just, they make more demands and more things that they want from us. And no matter what we do, they're frustrated, they, they're not happy. Because in the end of the day, if you're not being yourself, then how can, your husband is not going to have the you, like there's no you to love. Right. There's no you to appreciate and you to connect with. That's the important thing. So even if he has this picture in his head of what an ideal wife should be, and we all do, we all have this little like image in our head. This is what an ideal husband should look like. Even this is what an ideal wife should look like that we're trying to live up to. Even, you know, this is what children should look at at the Shabbos table. That's another big one. We have all these like little cricketers in our head. And if even if you're trying to live up to his little vision, and you're never going to, no matter how hard you try to fit into who he wants you to be, you're not going to be that person because you don't live in his head. You're not him. You don't think like him. You are, you know, your own person. You have a different background, a different way of seeing the world, different genders and ways of thinking and and all of that, you're not going to be what's in his head, no matter how hard you try. And when you like kind of give him the impression that you're going to be, you're going to try to be, you're just setting both of yourselves up for resentment and frustration, right? But when you step into being your amazing, awesome self that you really are, and you tune into your imperfect, but amazing self, And you're okay, like, and you just, you love and accept yourself and you're being yourself and you're being within your integrity and you're, you know, being in touch with your feelings and and your desires and not shaming on yourself for them, which is a whole other topic. And you realize what matters to you and you're living that out. I mean, that is just the most beautiful, can I say sexy, Mm -hmm. like beautiful, attractive sexy way of being that your husband is just going to be attracted to, even though you're not going to fit into that cricketer, which you never will, no matter how hard you try. And sometimes we (laughs) tell ourselves that like a hundred times, but he'll get to love you for who you are and you'll get to love who you're being. And that's where connection happens. Connection comes from that vulnerable, being our vulnerable selves, being who I really am. And that's the only place that we can connect is is in that like real like being real with who we are and that's is so that like yeah it's yeah. almost it's almost like you're giving yourself permission to be yourself yeah right? it's <laughs> that amazing strange, yeah you're giving yourself it permission sounds, to be yourself it's okay yeah it sounds strange but like yet we live in a society where it's like we're all supposed to be these like 
perfect super women who look a certain way and our home looks a certain way and our children act a certain way and everything has to be so perfect. And it's not just social media's fault. It's also growing up watching TV and movies where everything is scripted yes. and done a million times until it's done perfect. Yes. And like scripted. So everyone says the perfect thing. Also the men in TV and movies and even books, they're all feminine versions of men. They're not actually men. They don't act like men. <laughs> they act like women want men to act, right? That's funny. You yeah, you're right. It's so you... funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you get married and you think like your husband's going to like show up with like a dozen roses on your anniversary. And the first time you have a fight, he's going to say, I'm sorry, you're the most amazing woman in the world. And I never want to hurt you. No, men don't apologize with words. Like, but you think they do, they should, because that's what you saw or read or, you know, always thought men should do, but because we're thinking like women. Anyways, it's a whole thing on itself where we think that everything should be perfect and scripted. And so we do believe, I think we all have, which I, I do, it does seem to me like we all have this like inner belief that we should be perfect and our husbands should be perfect and we should have a perfect relationship. And when we don't, that already starts these like, <gasps> like red flags going off in our heads. Oh my gosh. And then we start labeling and this, you know, he's a narcissist. I'm not saying these things don't exist, but we like, we freak out over all of our own and others imperfections. And that just, gets in the way of like real like seeing each other and accepting each other and really loving each other even though we're not perfect right exactly right? yes yeah and yeah. so you know i think i really think that you, you hit the nail on the head that, that our husbands once we can become and get in touch with our authentic selves like they will find us sexy and beautiful because we are who we are we are us we are we are beautiful people inside and outside. And I think once that comes yeah. out, once we stop pretending to be somebody else, we'll be so much more authentic and so much more attractive, you know? Yeah. And so I want to yeah. like dig a little bit deeper into that because at this point, and I, it's so sad to say, we've almost lost touch with who we are. Like genuinely, mm -hmm. like even if we want to get in touch with ourselves, many of us don't even know where to start. So maybe yeah. if you can give us like that starter, like how we can just even begin to get in touch with ourselves. Uh, it's such a good question. And I, I, I really believe that, you know, the best way to get in touch with who you are, I think there's two good ways. Okay. And I'm just going to like, one is to think back to a time in your life when you truly felt happy and confident. Okay. Maybe you were 16, maybe you were five. Maybe you were 20. May, I don't know. It could have been for a day, a month, a year, 10 years. But there's something when we when we are, and that's really what we're going for, right? Because now to be that that beautiful, attractive woman, she is confident and she is happy. Yeah. Right? That's what most attracts is most attracting to men. And that's honestly what's attracting to us, right? Like if I if I ask myself, who do I want to be? Like, when do I want to be around myself? It's when I'm feeling happy and confident, right? So yes. that can help us kind of get it. Like, when, what was I doing around that time? And who was I being? And what kind of activities was I doing? And what, like, got me, like, feeling good about myself or whatever? I know I'm going to be very vulnerable here, honestly. But, like, for me, when I think of that time in my life, it was definitely around the time that I was about 16. And you know what I loved doing when I was 16? What? Hanging out with my friends and listening to the Backstreet Boys. So <laughs> when I need a little pick-me-up, I put them on because you know what? I want it that way. And it feels really <laughs> nice to like remind myself of like that time, like just that positive time in my life. Like it just, it helps me just like get in that mode, get in that groove. Right? right. Also now in my life, when I feel really confident and positive, you know, I like listening to Yishai Rebo. So when I need to pick me up, I'll also, especially when my kids are around, I'm putting on Yishai Rebo. Right. Beautiful. And I'm remind, reminding myself like this gives me that confidence. It connects me. I feel awesome. Those little cues, like what music was I listening to? Who were the friends I was hanging out with? Right. What kind of stuff was I doing? What kind of even just like like, what did I tell myself, right, during those times when I when I was in a difficult time? Not that it was perfect. It wasn't perfect when I was 16. It's not perfect now. But you know what? There's like, 
I can get in touch with that inner, confident, happy woman inside of me. So I think that's a really big one that we can't ignore. And sometimes what happens maybe some of your listeners can relate to this is that we kind of like grow in our lives and we think like what we connected to when we were younger, ah, like it's studious, like it's nothing, it's stupid. It's, it's, you know, it's just like what I, you know, who cares about that? But there's something about it. There's something, especially about music. We know this from the base of Migdash that like in the temple, there was music playing even on Shabbos right? The, wow. the Levites were able to play music on Shabbos because it was integral. You're allowed to do any, you know, like there wasn't like, there were a lot of things that we did in the temple and please God will do soon that are against what, you know, how we generally think of Shabbos. And yet anything that was integral to the service was done on Shabbos, including playing music because music is integral to getting you in a, in a mindset into like a specific you know, experience. Yes. Music sets the experience. It's why the music at a wedding is like one of the most important things, right? Yes. So that's the first thing I would say. Do you have anything to say about that? And then I'll share the second one that I think is important. No, you know, what stuck out with me when you were talking was was the music because music can transport you. Even now I can be in the car listening to a song and then I'm back to when I was like 10, 11 years old. You know, it's funny because yeah. you, you grew up with the Backstreet Boys. I grew up with new kids on the block. I don't know. <laughs> When I was six, my grand or, or I, I don't know around what age, my grandparents used to play me New Kids on the Block. So yes. like I definitely that was like the introduction to the Backstreet Boys. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think the second thing, and this is what I, I really usually sh- like r- use as like the first step that I teach my clients is you got to look at what is it that you're looking for in your life? What's important to you in your life? What are you valuing? And sometimes women are like, I don't know what is important to me. I don't know that. What is it that you're complaining that your husband doesn't do? What is it that upsets you that it's not there in your life? You know what that means? It means you value it. Ah, that's a good way to find it. Yes. Yeah. So if you value something, like we get to live in integrity and be and create the things that we value instead of waiting for them to happen. Right. A big thing that I really believe in is like not allowing ourselves to be victims of our lives. Right. Right. Waiting for our husbands to change, waiting for things to get better. Even and this, I have a whole special podcast that I did actually with Rebitson, Shani Terrigan, who's my Rebitson, on like, w- I kept hearing women saying, well, if God wants me to have Shalom Bayit, I will. Like, please, God, God will change my husband. And it's like, no, you got to get up and like, do something about it. You have to create the change that you want to have. And it was happening so often that I invited her onto my podcast that I do every week to like, let's talk about this together, even from like a spiritual perspective, so that you know, we could really like hammer it out because I find women even use like Amuna as a way to feel like a victim and you're, God is not there to victim, like God's not trying to victimize us, right? So like making sure that we don't feel like victims and instead saying, if this is important to me, what is in my power to do to create it? I at least can be that woman, right? Like you said, the only thing I can control is myself. So let me be the things that matter to me. That is a great way to figure out who am I? Who am I? I am a woman who values. And what is it that you value? Connection, intimacy, um, gratitude, um, uh, excitement, like playfulness. What is it that you're like, oh, my husband never blank. Whatever it is, is, it means that that is something you value and you get to be that woman and living in integrity is like one of the best most amazing most uh inspiring and joy inducing experiences that's so beautiful i I just want to add something to that because i know that some women may be filling in the blank like what do i want my husband to be i want my husband to pay attention to me so that's also a cue that we need to pay attention to ourselves and ask ourselves what do we need you can say what do i need i need whatever i need i need rest so you know go take a nap i need a massage i need a day out with myself take yourself out i do it all the time i mean my husband yeah go out with my husband too but you know i take myself out when i need that extra something so i'm not waiting for anybody to do it for me and i'm not like begging you know what i mean 
Yes, a hundred percent. That's so important because a lot of times yes. when women hear they're they're like, well, why should I listen to my husband if he's not listening to me? I'm like, I didn't say do it for your husband. That might be a byproduct of it, that being somebody who's, if you want your husband to be grateful to everything that you do and appreciate you, that but being a, a appreciative woman is going to mean you're going to say thank you to your husband. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be an appreciative woman and not for him. Do it because I want to be that woman. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And sometimes women will say, when I thank my husband, he doesn't even like it. So you're not doing it for him. Right. You're, you're doing, doing it, for yourself. it for you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to yeah. be a grateful person. Exactly. That's right. Yes. So I want to talk for a minute about blame and shame. I know that you mentioned that a little yes. bit before because I want to take away all the blame and all the shame. I, I really want to take it all away. Women often tend to blame themselves for challenges in their relationships. We feel guilty. Sometimes we feel ashamed that we don't have a smooth and easy relationship. But those types of feelings weigh us down and they have the potential to lead our relationship even further into a downward spiral than it already is. So we don't want that. We want to be yep. happy and confident with loving, fulfilling relationships. So how can we turn the focus from shame to dignity so that we can elevate our marriage and turn it into a connected union that we desire between ourselves and our husband? Such a good question. I think the most important thing is kind of like what we were saying before, but let's like say it again, because like we need to hear it so often. It's not supposed to be perfect. Right. We're not supposed to be perfect. So when we're feeling blame, I have this this line that I, I said once in a video and it at the time after I wrote it, I just kept hearing myself say it because it was just so real. It's like, you know, maybe you are finding that like you're, you know, you, you're you're feeling so ashamed that like your your relationship isn't perfect. Your husband is isn't perfect. You're not perfect. But that doesn't make you bad or wrong, or broken. It makes you real. Right. right? We, there's no shame in the fact that we struggle in our relationships. Like, it was created that way. We were created. Like, men and women were created to get married and struggle with each other, right? Bring all their crap into their relationship <laughs> and work on it, bring it out. It's like when people say, oh, marriage is supposed to bring out the best in you. No, it's not. Who said that? Marriage brings out all your most intimate triggers, all your stuff, all your crap. It all comes up with the person that you have the most intimate connection with, with which is your husband. It's right. not supposed to be perfect. We'd like to be our best selves and we work towards it, but you know how many tikkunim, how much fixing we're doing on all of our childhood wounds, all of our stuff. This is talked about not just in Torah sources. This is what psychologists talk about. Yes. All the big stuff. Terrence Real, John Gottman, the Hucks, the, you know, how to get the love that you want. All the big marriage people are all saying this. We get married to like heal all the stuff stuff that's going on inside of us. And it's not easy. I actually, when I did the a training with Dr. Gottman and his wife, which was an incredible experience on its own, because I'd been reading his books for so long. Uh, at the end of the first day, my husband's like, he, we did it together. He's like, there's no one there. Go talk to him. <laughs> so I'm going to go have like Yechidus with, with Dr. John Gottman. It was very exciting. And I went down and I asked him, I said, oh, you know, I'm a big fan. I've been reading your books. It's like changed my life. And I, I want to ask you a really important question. You know, can I ask you an important question? He said, yes. And I said, do you believe that couples can communicate difficult things to each other? Do you think it, do you like, you know, because, you know, some people are out there saying, if you have difficult things to say to your husband, don't say it. It's not worth it. Wow. Right. It's not worth having difficult conversations. You won't end up snuggling on the couch. You'll be mad at each other. You'll be hurt. And it's like, yeah, but then important things are not being said. So right. I asked him this question. I said, do you believe that couples can communicate difficult things to each other? And this was his answer. He said, yes. But you got to put your stuff aside to be able to do that. Huh. Right. Yes. But when when my wife and this is what he tells me, if my wife wants to tell me something that is, you know, something that about me that's bothering her. 
it's important for her to communicate that to me, but I have to be willing to put all my defensiveness, all my ego, all my, he used a different word that starts with S, all my <laughs> stuff aside to be able to listen to her because I love her and value her and I want to have a connection with her. That's and what beautiful. I took, isn't it? Yes. What I took from that conversation is that communication is so important to a marriage. It is integral. And in order to have good communication, you have to have safety. Yes. It has to be safe because if it's not safe, I'm not going to put my stuff aside when you have something difficult to share. You're not going to put your stuff aside when I have something difficult to share. And we have to make space to also deal with each other's stuff when it comes up in the conversation. So wait, remind me where we were, the shame and the blame. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I could go off on a lot of tangents. So there's no shame in the fact that you have challenges in your marriage. There's no shame there. If, if, you know, I, there may be something that you can look at within yourself, about yourself, about your marriage, where you can say, huh, where can I take responsibility to make this better? Because, you know, we all can learn and grow and we only learn from experience. So I'm not bad or wrong that I did it this way until now. And what can I learn and recognize? Oh, maybe I could have said that a different way. Oh, maybe I could have ex expressed it in, you know, using different words. And maybe I was defensive. Maybe I got upset. Maybe I made that mean something it didn't really mean. But that's not blame. You didn't do anything wrong. You're learning and growing and taking res your responsibility. But my responsibility doesn't, isn't a shame or blame. Right. It's not my fault, especially when it comes to the other person. I could take responsibility for the way I speak to my husband, but I'm still not at fault for how he speaks to me if right. I don't. Right. So and right? I love I love the way they said it because I want to tie into the communication piece that we were mentioning yeah. before, you know, that yeah. safety must be created. And so, again, we're only responsible for ourselves. We can't control our husbands, our kids, anybody else. We can only control ourselves. So in right. this realm of communication, you know, we can create a safe space for our husbands. Even if I know it's, I know, you know, people might not like to hear this, but even if he doesn't create a safe space for us, we can create it right. for him. And, yeah. that's, and that's part of taking responsibility for our own selves. And I want women to know that they shouldn't feel guilty that maybe, listen, when you know better, you do better. And if for 23 years, you didn't know better and you weren't doing better and you were doing everything wrong, the blame stops today. The shame stops today. And we move forward. And now you know what to do. And now you know the right things. And then you move forward because that was 20 for 23 years. You want the next 23 years to also be bad? No. Now you know That's something right. new and you move forward with positivity. You move forward with your new knowledge. And here you can create a safe space for your husband to communicate things. Maybe, maybe he wants to communicate something that is bothering him about you. Or maybe yeah. he just wants to communicate about his day. Like he's with people, he's with clients, he's with customers, with coworkers, you know, all day long. Maybe he just wants to vent and load on just you know and he doesn't want anybody to yell at him or say oh that's dumb why you why are you concerning yourself with that he just wants somebody to hold that space for him just to listen and we can do yeah. that oh a hundred percent i also will add in he doesn't want anyone to tell him that he should just have a muna right and he <laughs> yes. and he probably also doesn't want anyone saying why are you telling me this talk about your feelings tell right. me something deep tell me something real by the way like men are are not you know didn't grow up talking about their feelings right. like we did so i think this starts right from when we get married because i don't think i've i so many women that i i won't say every because some women find they have the opposite um like dynamic but many women will say my husband is not emotionally available right right yeah. and okay we have to recognize that men and women are whether you want to call it nature or nurture i mean there's stuff that's you know, proven through brain scans. And there's also, um, you know, the nurture that's involved as well. Men don't grow up sitting around with their friends talking about their feelings. They just 
gener generally don't. True. So I think what happens is right from the beginning, a woman gets married, she leaves, you know, her roommates or her sisters or her best friends that she just spent her Shabbos kala with. And she thinks that she's going to get married. And then her and her husband are going to sit and talk about their feelings. And that's not happening because he's not a woman. So then <laughs> right from her marriage, from the beginning, she's like, what's wrong with him? He's not talking about his emotions. Now he might, it doesn't mean he doesn't have emotions. He may t try to talk to her about other things. He might talk about that cool car that he sees or those interesting flowers, or he might start telling her about his day at work. And she's like, oh my gosh, he's so not emotional. He's not emotionally available. So what does she try to do? She, she already has this belief and she's finding evidence for it, right? Because why he doesn't talk about his emotions, which he would have gotten beaten up for doing before he got married. But okay, they forget about that. So then they're, and of course I'm generalizing and I'm talking and like, you know, but let's just make the point, right? So she already has this belief. Then what does she try to do? Usually she tries to change him. She tries to get him to talk. No, don't tell me about your day. Tell me about your emotions. Now, what is he told? What is he hearing? It's not safe for me to talk about my day. It's right. not safe for me to talk. Now, here's the thing. Men do have emotions, but they've been taught all their lives. Usually it's not safe to talk about them. It's not what's done. Right. Okay. Yes. And what they'll do is they'll test them. This is the good news. They, that you can change this. They test you. They talk about the car or the trees or the work or the kids or whatever to see, are you going to listen to me? Is it going to be safe? And if you listen and you say, that's really interesting about that car, even though you're like, I don't care about cars, but you care about him. And this is right. important to him. And this is with kids also, by the way, not to compare men and kids, but kids is, I don't, I don't need to know how you built this Lego. I don't care about the book you're reading. I don't care about that game on the computer, on the computer. Like, why are you telling me the details of the stupid phone game? I don't care, but they care, right? They care. And you're giving them the message, I care about you. It is safe for you to share. So then when your husband does have something emotional to say, when your kid does have something really important to share, they know that you are safe, that you will listen to them. I really like the way that you put that. Because just, just because it's not important to you, if it's important to the person that you love, then you just make space to listen to it. You know, it just makes and validate their feelings. Yeah. Because you care about them and you want to get to know them. It's important to them. And you're also just setting it up. You're giving them that safety, you know, like yes. you can tell me anything. I won't get mad because when they're 16 or 18, or they may have something to tell you that really will get you mad, but at least they're telling you, right? right? And you right. can guide them and you can right. be there for them. And it's the same thing with our husbands, you know, like anyone, but let's go back to husbands for a moment. If you are giving your husband that feeling of you can share with me, I'm here, I'm listening, then he'll share those deeper things with you when he knows that you won't get upset, get angry, try to change him, discount it, you know, and this is just another little like tip I'll put in because it's such a big difference between men and women. They don't like being cut off. Right. Women thrive on that, like back and forth. She said, what, what do you, but what about this? Wait, wait, what did you say? Oh my goodness. It's just like what happened to me. Really? No way. That's what women, how women like to talk. Yes. Men are going to be like, what do you, why are you questioning me? They just feel disrespected and they shut down. And so when a man rejected is talking, too. Yeah. Rejected. It's just like this. I'm just nodding my head and, and, and listening for people who are just listening right. we just have it's so important to just listen because women are like i don't understand you were saying something i shared with you something that you know reminded me of or i asked you a question and you shut like what they're like no you, you don't want to listen fine i won't share they feel so hurt by that it's so right. interesting it's such a big difference i just need to point that out okay Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you pointing that out because it's true that men and women have very different communication styles. So that's, yeah. thank you. I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, so I know that you also talk about shifting the focus from control in a relationship to intimacy. So can you please talk to us about what that looks like, about what control looks like in a relationship and how we can let go of that control in order to create the intimacy that we crave? Yeah. So control this is so important. Control is all about like believing that things have to be not just perfect, which we already talked about, but of course my way is the right way. Yes. 
right? And what many people look at, like the my one of the biggest lines that I've been saying for like, I don't know, many years is different doesn't make it wrong. Right. I like that. Different doesn't make it wrong. Powerful. Yeah. And it's huge, especially comes up in parenting, but it comes up in so many areas where people look, we don't realize, and this is what's so powerful about doing like the coaching kind of exercises in our lives. We don't realize how much we believe everything our brain thinks. Like we just believe it. <laughs> like we, we, but that's the thing. We believe what our brain tells us, but we've gathered over the years or whatever. And the reality is that not every, just because we think something doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it, let's put it this way. It doesn't make it true. And it definitely doesn't make it the truth. Now we are very blessed because we at least have a truth. The Torah. And there's an, the Torah. And that's enough. Besides, right? <laughs> like, and even within that, there's, you know, 70 faces and all of that. Because e, e, I find this comes up even with halacha, even with Jewish law, where women are like, but this is the way it's supposed to be done. And why do you believe that that's the way it's supposed to be done? Because that's the way your father did it. Because that's what your Rebbe in seminary taught you. Because that's what your rabbi in high school said. Because that's what the guy you dated before your husband told you that he does. That doesn't make it the only answer. That doesn't make it the truth. It's your truth, right? And this is this is where we can really understand that strange Gemara. I don't even think it's so strange anymore because of this. There's this really strange teaching in the Talmud that you know who the best person to marry is? Who? Your uncle. That's so bizarre. It's <laughs> really bizarre. It seems so bizarre. Now, of course, it's not talking about your uncle who's like 40 years older than you. It's talking about, you know, you know, if you're still, your uncle is around your age, but why is it saying that? I think, I don't even think it's necessarily saying that as a truth that you should marry your uncle. It's teaching a very important reality that one of the biggest struggles that happens in marriage is because you both come from two different homes and you believe that the way it was done in your home was the right way. Right. By the way, this is where, this is why in-law issues are such a big thing. Yes. Because... <laughs> I love my, I love this understanding I have of in-laws. This is, this is, I think the big issue with in-laws. Thank God your in-laws generally take you in. Like you're, you're like become a member of the family right yeah. away. So you see things that no one else sees. You see the way you only saw things in your own home. The difference is in your own home, you grew up with it. So you think it's normal. Yes. And then when you see what goes on in other people's homes, you're like, that's not normal. Well, if anyone saw what goes on in anyone's home, they think it's not normal because it's, you know, people different. are different and people have stuff and people have their issues and people have their, but in your home, you thought it was normal. So that's why people are like your mother, no, 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 your father. But why is it like that? Because we're each seeing what's different and weird, like what we see is weird, but the other person can't see it because they grew up with it. So they think that it's normal and the truth and the way it's supposed to be. Right. It's true. You're right. Because for them, that's normal. That's normal for them. That's how normal. they grew up. Yep. That's normal. And what is actually amazing is that, and this is uh, Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsch describes this so beautifully when he talks about what a Jewish home is. He describes this, I think it's in Parshas Bo, when he talks about the bites, right? Like we have this home. What is a Jewish home? And I think it's running throughout his whole commentary where he talks about really what's so amazing about a home. A man from one house comes together with a woman from a different house and they create their own home. So it's not going to be like it was in your home and it's not going to be like it was in your home. You're going to create your own home. But that often takes years for a couple to really get and like accept that they have to let go of the way everything was done in their home. And they have to let in some of the stuff that was done in their husband's home or their wife's home and make their own, you know, in, like their own version that's more than those two, because it also includes their personalities and what's important to that. Right, exactly. They make a new version of that. He had his way, she yeah. had her way growing up, and now yeah. they come together and it's a blend and it's something new. It's really a new creation. Yeah. 
It's a brand new creation, right? That's the basarach. That's them becoming basarach. Like Rashi says, you think it's so romantic. A man gets married and a woman gets married, they become one flesh. Rashi's like, you know when they become one flesh? When they have a child. Because <laughs> two people together are always going to be two separate people. But your child is a combination of the two of you right? For good or for bad. You're going to see, oh, oh my gosh, my husband's teaching my children all of these negative things. Yeah, you're teaching the kids negative things too, right? And accepting that and then also seeing the good that we're teaching our children. So control is always about like different is wrong, right? right. And connection and intimacy is going to come from, let me have empathy for the fact that you are not perfect and be okay with that. Let me have respect for who you are and lean in to like appreciate it and let me love and accept who you are and like not try to change you not try to make you into a masculine version of me or a feminine version of me from the husband side like that's what kills intimacy and real intimacy is created when we accept the differences even the things we especially the things we don't like because there will be we accept them we we don't say it's okay. No, we may not like them. That's also a big misconception that acceptance is not it's okay. Acceptance is I accept that this is the reality. I accept. I stop fighting it. I stop being upset about it. I stop being angry about it. I accept this is something about you that I don't like. I'm not. And then people are like, yeah, but then I'm saying it's okay. No, you're not. You're not saying it's okay. Right. If you know, if your child is do some, doing something that you don't like. Right. You can't change it. Right. Let's say you got a teenage kid doing something that they're not. You don't you don't say it's OK, but you can accept that this is their path. This is what they're dealing with. You can love them beyond it. Love them with it. Right. Love them through it and just be like, OK, I accept that this is what you do. It's not I don't think it's OK. But that doesn't mean I don't love you, respect you, you know, I, I stop connecting with you. It's just there. It's compartmentalized. It's 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 there. I accept it. I'm not trying to change it. I'm just focusing on having a relationship with you. Right. And I think there's something so beautiful in acceptance because what you resist persists. You know, yes. if you have a, if your husband has a character flaw or personality that you don't like in your, er, you're always constantly bumping heads and you're like, you're fighting everything. Yes. It only escalates. It persists. The arguments persist and it escalates. When you accept, it de-escalates. There's like a hundred percent. You could feel the relaxation in your shoulders. You accept the situation. And again, just like you said, it's not that what your husband is doing or his personality trait is not okay, but it just is. I don't know if I can explain that better. It just is. Yeah. What is just is. And you don't have to like it or even approve of it, but just to accept right. that it's there. That's step one. And that step one will just, it will relax you. It will de-escalate the situation. And then you create space in that acceptance for talking and communicating and safety, like we were talking about before. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. And also when the more you, the the more you concentrate on it, the more you see it and it gets you more angry and yes. it's all you focus on. Yes. And when you let it go, like it'll, you know, it does kind of fade into the background. It's still there, but you're not, you're not fighting it. You're not focusing on it. You're not making it the, your relationship with the person. Like Chaval, there's so much more to people than one or two, you know, the things we don't like about them. When we accept, I know it's like, anything. I know this is going to happen. I know that, I don't know. I know that my kid is going to cry when I say they can't use my phone. I know that my husband is going to be upset when he sees the grocery bill. I know that I'm going to have a, I know that, you know, Shabbos coming in at four o'clock is going to be kind of stressful. And you accept that. I know that means I'm spending the whole Friday in the kitchen. I accept that. I get it. I accept it. I may not like it. I may not want it. I may, you know, but I accept it. So then what do I do? Okay. I go into the kitchen. I put on some music. Maybe I'm listening to the top Re American Robinson podcast. I'm cooking. I'm enjoying. Okay. You know what? Things aren't done. It's three 30. I probably should go in the shower Okay, like it's not like when you resist it, you're always going to be in a state of like 
fighting, yes. resistance, and that creates resentment. That's yes. where resentment comes in. And resentment is poison for intimacy. It's poison to relationships. Yes. I've seen it over and over and over again in my work when women are like, well, I'm just going to accept, you know, and they're not really accepting. I'm just going to pretend that I don't, these things don't bother me. I'm just, there's no acceptance. They're just pushing it away, whitewashing it, you know, pretending it doesn't bother them all. And let me just be the perfect wife and be exactly who he wants me to be. The resentment is so deep and it's so inside that they often don't even realize it's there. But suddenly they're like, I have no desire for my husband. I don't even want to talk to him anymore. I don't feel anything for him. I'm so full of like, I don't even want to work on my relationship anymore. I don't even care because I'm so full of resentment. Right. And it's like, we have to make sure we are doing, I, I, I say very, I'm very like insistent on this. Anything you're doing that's creating resentment in your relationship, just stop. Right. Just stop. Even if that's like cooking dinner, let the kids, let everyone eat cereal. It doesn't matter. It's not worth resentment. Nothing is worth resentment. You can work through it. You know, why do I hate, why don't I like making dinner? Maybe it's what I'm cooking. Maybe it's how would I associate with, what do I make it mean? There's a lot of work that can be done around it. And we're doing that work all the time. But if I'm feeling resentful, drop the knife, drop the, you know, <laughs> just drop it, drop the spatula, get out of the kitchen and go take, take a shower. Time. Exactly. Go. Take a time for yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> A hundred percent. We have like maybe two or three minutes left, but I do want to ask you this one okay. last question because I do feel it's important. So okay. um, I find it interesting that when you talk to Kalas, to brides, that you take the focus off of feminism and shift it to femininity in order to help them better their marriage. So the, the real question here is, what is the difference between feminism and femininity? And how does being feminine enhance our relationship with our husband? Okay. So this may be a very polarizing answer, but I'm just going to give my thoughts on it. Okay. Um, I think feminism is often about trying to prove that we are equal to men, that we are just as good, which kind of has a hint of like, maybe they really are better or like, you know, as if like different is bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're just like men. We can be just like men, but we're not. We're not like men and different isn't bad or wrong or broken. It's, there's nothing wrong with being different. Let's embrace who we are as women. Let's embrace our femininity. And I think this is such a big thing um, in general, in relationships to be able to embrace like, who am I? And the reality of who I am. It's like when women say to me like, well, when I share my emotions with my husband, he says, you're so emotional. And I say like, say like, yeah. I am. <laughs> right. I'm a woman, right? <laughs> I'm a woman. I Yes, I am emotional. Like there's nothing wrong. Just because someone says something to you as an insult doesn't make it an insult, right? Doesn't make it wrong. It's like if somebody walked in and, and I find this so interesting that women, especially because it's something that is we may struggle with ourselves. Maybe I struggle with being emotional. Maybe I struggle with keeping my house clean. So when someone walks in and would say, your house is a mess, I'd be like, oh, I can't believe you said that. But it's like, but it's true. It is a mess. It's messy. <laughs> like, why am I so, what am I getting insulted about? But I hear this so often, like your husband walks in, he says something and, it, and I'm, I can't believe he said that. And it's like, but you just told me that about yourself. Right. But no, but he can't see it. Well, what if we leaned into it? What if we were like, yeah, I'm, you know, and it's actually a really big sore point for me. And like, I'm, I, I really get like, I'm, I'm really working on it. And I, I really love some, some like acceptance and, and, and like, just love through this, you know, or it's really hard for me when you point that out, because, you know, because it's really hard for me that that's still true, right? That that's true about me, or whatever it is, like, it doesn't mean that, we, you know, our husbands just come in and insult us. That's not what I'm, you know, I'm not saying let your husband criticize you. But we don't have to get hurt about our vulnerabilities. We don't have to be insulted. We don't have to be get defensive about things that are true for us. And I think it's it's beautiful to embrace our femininity. We are emotional. 
there is a beautiful way that women think that is different than men. I also, sometimes you find people like bashing men as if women are better. And unfortunately, I often see a lot of this in Jewish sources. Oh, we don't need to learn Torah all day because we are more spiritually high. And it's like, no, we, then you find sources about us being the more practical grounded one. So like, which one is it? The truth is it's both. And like, it's not, well, why do I say this? Or even like, why does he say and I say no? It's like, I don't know why he says, God, thank you, God, for not making me a woman. I mean, any man who's seen his wife go through childbirth, 100%, <laughs> that's when they say that, that blessing with like total concentration and kavana. <laughs> me, I love saying is basically my very first client said this to me. And now I share with everyone because I think it's so beautiful. Shasani Kirtano, God, you made me in your image is basically our way of saying to Hashem every single morning, I am enough. I love that. I am enough. Wow. I am exactly the way you created me. And that may be a growing, moving woman. Like right? People get so scared. If I think I'm enough, I'm going to just sit on the couch and eat chips and watch Netflix all day. Like, no. No, that never happens. The women who believe I am enough when you feel good about yourself and you feel confident and happy, those are the women who get up and work on themselves and move forward in their lives. I am enough. If like we have to finish on anything, I think that's like one of the most important things is in, in a world where like there's so much being thrown at us at like how much perfection there has to be, whether it's your body and your home and your marriage and your children and your makeup and your, oh my gosh, there's so much. I can't even like, you know, every aspect of you and every aspect of your, your children have to be per every single one of your children has to be totally perfect. They have to get in the perfect schools and you have to have the perfect job and you have to spend, you have to be, have money, but not too much money. And you have to, and you, your Shabbos <laughs> tables have to be perfect and you have to make the perfect food and you have to love baking and you have to like be Martha Stewart in the kitchen and, and like, and, and have a great sex life and everything has to be amazing. There's so much. It's like, who, how, how? In the end of the day, we're not meant to be perfect in any area of our lives, right? We have to know that we are, do, I am doing my best and my best is awesome and I am enough. So why do men say, uh, sorry, that thank you God for making, not making, I don't, I don't care. I'm not a man. I can't really pretend to get into men's consciousness and try to understand what it means to them to say that blessing. As a woman, I love the blessing that we say as women. I wouldn't want to say a blessing. Thank you God for not making me a man. I'd be like, why would I even need to say that? Like, I don't need to say that. I feel so, that doesn't even resonate. Like, I don't want to say that. That's the, I never thought of like, I'm so happy I'm not a man. Like, it just, I don't know. It doesn't, I know, doesn't, it doesn't resonate, resonate with me at all. <laughs> right. 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 So like, you know, we don't have to bash. We don't have to say who's better. We're different. It's right. not a scale. It's not, women are just as good as men. Men suck. Women are amazing. Like, no, men and women both bring so much to the world. That's why we were created. That's why God said there needed to, we needed to be split into two different almost species, right? That have to try to figure out how to live together, which is not easy. And that's what we're here for. Amazing. You know, we're here to work on ourselves and be the best women that we can be. I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's a beautiful note to end on. And it's so true. We have to be the best women that we can be. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbits and Hannah, for joining us on America's Top Rabbits. It was so much fun having you here today. And may the tremendous learning that we did today be for Rafur Shalema for Devorah Barhana, Benjamin Ben Sarah, Silka Rivka Bar Esther, and also for Hizuk for Yaakov Ben Shura. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Vera. Thank you.